where initially it was just like oh yeah but yeah 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 that this is what i came from this is what happened this is my situation but like i'm gonna be amazing you know and um at some point it started to be more about i'm gonna be amazing and and little by little i started to feel like i needed to not necessarily hide but not be an open book about my background and a lot of that was because of that imposter syndrome the feeling where if people really know or if they um because they don't understand if they if they know the other facets of you that might somehow devalue the areas that you want to shine that was a clip from today's episode i really hope you're enjoying it so far before we get into the full episode just want to give a big shout out to you all for listening just want to say thank you and welcome to the king Tueres podcast brought to you by plural we have a very special guest on today's episode darilis moreno darilis and i have actually never met in person we actually met for the first time thankfully because of plural she'll get into a little bit of the story of, of how she found us but she's always been showing so much love to our brand that we figured we just shoot her a dm and see if she wants to share her story on the podcast we're all about building community sharing stories and what a story we have for you by daddy lease a little bit about her she's a proud bronx native and currently an entrepreneur who inspires authenticity through style on her Instagram page, Outfit Builders. Most importantly, though, she's a proud and orgullosa Boricua. Let's get into the episode. We, we had a similar story where yeah. we met online, but you found us through... I think one of our designs, right? Like the AOC one? Absolutely, yep. What happened, like, tell me about like when you first came into contact with it, like what did you think when you saw it? Like what, what came yeah. up? Yeah, well, I'm a fine artist and um, I actually went to Parsons um, in New York City. And so I do uh, follow a lot of um, like hashtags and stuff like that that are like art related, especially within our community. And I don't remember, I don't know if it was like through somebody else's page, but the the, the image that I saw was your um, AOC um, uh, animated photo, the one where she has like her hoop earrings and she has like her red lips. So she's got like Disney braids and it's like a congresswoman wear hoop earrings and red lips. And I was like, I freaking love this. Uh, because, you know, I, as a Latina woman, I, probably have more hoop than forever 21 and <laughs> you know when my hair was much younger when I was younger my hair was much longer I lived in my two braids like I used to beg my sister oh my god you gotta like you know box braid for me and uh, so it just resonated so much with me uh, especially who she is and what she's been representing you know coming from the Bronx and and you know from our community and really um, just with the fact that she's representing us so hard. So it was just amazing to really see her in that context and to tie it together with this is what a congresswoman looks like, you know? So I was just like, yes. And so then I was all up in the business, like, okay, who, where did this picture come from? And when I went onto your page, I was like, okay, cool. So I'm all about, you know, getting value, trying to educate myself, um, 
you know, consistently trying to absorb just information, especially about, you know, um, the Latin community, because we don't get that type of education when we're in school, you know, and so there's so much just in the span of the last three, four months, where I've played an active role in really seeking out what we're doing, who the big players are, names that we don't ever hear because we don't have those platforms that really expose us. And so there's just so many of us just doing so, so much powerful things. So many people from my generation, you know, really trying to put us on the map. And so when I saw your page, I was like, follow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate yeah. the fact that you came into this conversation and you didn't like put a suit on or like a blazer. You know what I mean? Like you just showed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, but I, I admire AOC so much for so many Same. reasons. But one of the reasons, like, I admire how confident she is. Like, Definitely. she just doesn't give a fuck what people think. She's like, I'm going to yeah. go in there with my hoops. I'm going to go in there. If I want to do a braid today, I'm going to do it. I'm sure it wasn't always like that, though. And I'm sure it wasn't always for like sure. that for you. Like, were you always just like, yo, this is me, take it or leave it? Or like, did you have a journey? You know what? I would say a little bit of both. Um, definitely in surroundings that I find familiar or more comfortable, even with people that I don't know. So even when you and I first connected, um, just the fact that we're both like from New York, you know, like Dominicans, Puerto Ricans were like the same people, you know? Um, so there was an immediate, for me, there was like an immediate connection and there was definitely more of a sense of comfort and um, when I find myself in those spaces, I am super comfortable with always being myself. And I always seek out being myself because from a very young age, people would always tell me, and it was always like, you know, oh, it's that, you know, she talks a lot. She's, <laughs> she's got so much energy and I'm the youngest of six. So like my house, we were always just having a conversation. sounded like World War III, you know? Um, and that's a part of like our culture. And so I always enjoyed myself. I always enjoyed my personality. Um, a lot of it came from the attention that I got from just being this like, you know, gregarious, you know, outspoken, you know, kind of person, even as a kid. Um, but it, that's a double-edged sword as well. And so I had to learn um, through just society, right, that there were some, some situations and some circumstances where you become too much for, for some people. They don't get it. They don't understand it. And so, unfortunately, um, we do this to ourselves where we, we start to try and live up to other people's expectations of us. And um, I certainly find myself in a lot of situations where that happens. But I've always, I've always wanted to just be myself. Like that's any time that I had to, I was just waiting for that moment where I could like crack a joke, you know, and be like, actually, this is who I am. Ta -da! <laughs> you know? um, but, but again, it's been a double-edged sword and there were times where it's really worked great for me, you know, my uniqueness, my individuality, my culture, my background. And there were a lot of times where it was just like, oh, maybe I should keep that in my pocket. So yeah there was a, when when we actually had our um like initial conversation on the phone there was a quote that you said that like stuck with me 100 percent. it was like uh when there i was i was like when do you feel the most comfortable being your authentic self and you said when there's a lack of expectation of who you're supposed to be that's when you're your most authentic self Absolutely. that stuck with me so like till this day 
Um, and I think about it all the time too, because um, I think people have certain expectations around like what our lives are like, but they don't really know. For example, right. like I tell, I tell people at work that, oh yeah, like, well, before COVID, yeah, I went uptown, you know, and they're like, their expectations like, oh my God, is it safe up there? Right. They don't really know, right? And like you were telling right. me, you were telling me a complicated relationship that you've had with just even being honest about like, yeah, like I'm from the Bronx because yes. people have a certain expectation of you and what you're supposed to be like, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I'm glad that that quote really stuck with you because yeah. I think it is so important. And, and when something clicks for you, it really lets other pieces kind of fall into place. And growing up in the Bronx, I mean, um, I'm an 80s child and the 80s era in the South Bronx, you know, when I was growing up was a very difficult one in combination with my mom not speaking any English, you know, and so there was a lot of strife, you know, and so when people um, hear that you grew up in the South Bronx, especially like they're in the 80s, their, their idea isn't far off from my reality. And so... As much as there's so many uh, so many stories that that were different from mine, I did. There was a point, some some shift in my youth where, initially, it was just like, oh yeah, but yeah yeah yeah, that this is what I came from, this is what happened, this is my situation, but like I'm gonna be amazing, you know. And um, at some point, it started to be more about I'm gonna be amazing, and and little by little, I started to feel like I needed to not necessarily hide, but not be an open book about my background. And a lot of that was because of that imposter syndrome, the feeling where if people really know, or if they, um, because they don't understand, if they, if they know the other facets of you, that might somehow devalue the areas that you want to shine. And when we spoke, <laughs> yeah. something you said to me that stood with me was why you call your page plural, plural, yeah, yeah. right? And, um, you know, because we're not singular, we're so multifaceted, you know, and um, it's so true. We spend so much time just wanting to show this two-dimensional version of ourselves when the three-dimensional and the four-dimensional version is so much more amazing and so it's been a process for me to really understand that who I am now my confidence my boldness um, my ability to represent myself in a room the courage that I think I share with AOC and that so many of us who come from the perceived ghetto or from the hood because we've had to struggle there's a power that we have that we people perceive us like yo they don't give a shit like they just gotta go for it and it's like, we, we do, but the big secret is we struggle with our confidence. We're not always sure, you know what I'm saying? But we do it anyways, because that's how we've always had to do it. And yeah. so I've learned that my story is more powerful because of my background, not less. But that's yeah. been a problem. That resonates with me a ton as far as, it's, it's this interesting balance around, like you want to tell your whole story, but at the same time, right. you don't. At least I don't because For sure. I don't want the questions to come up or like Absolutely. not only the questions, but I don't want their perception to change of me. So I rather just like hide certain things and like maybe one day I'll feel more comfortable letting out. But right. I think so many of us hold on to some of those things 
um, where it even like prevents us from building a relationship. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Um, I remember I said, everyone's like talking about their high school and at work. And I was like, oh yeah, I went to high school in the South Bronx. Um, and then someone mentioned like, oh, I went to college in the Bronx. Right. But I would have never known that if I never opened up and said that about Correct. me, you know what I mean? Like what, what were some, what were some times or like situations where you felt like you had to like hold that in? Like, was it around where like <sighs> potentially at work or like, or, or in a situation where you weren't near people that looked like you? Is that why? Uh, definitely both. Definitely both situations. I think this perception of professionalism yeah. um, it comes is, is a huge part of it, especially when you start to go up in the ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sales associates, they'd be telling all their business in the break room. But once you're a manager, right, you're like, mm, maybe, you know, and so. Because you're a leader now. Correct. Correct. And, and, and so we start to get so caught up in the perception that people have of us. Right. And so, um, tying into what you said, we end up somewhere in, in, in limbo between not being quite ashamed, but not being quite proud. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at work, I would say a hundred percent, but there were also times in, in circles where, um, our backgrounds were different where I experienced some situations where I was just like, okay, that was hurtful, but maybe I should just tone it down. So just to give an example, and, I, and it's funny because I thought of this after you and I spoke last week, um, a good friend of mine, good, good friend of mine, love her to death. I was a bridesmaid at her wedding. She's white. I went to a, a Super Bowl party at her house. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, she, I doubt that this is even a blip in her memory because to her it was a non-event. And um, everyone there was white. And anyways, we're all hanging out. We're watching the Super Bowl. And some play happens. And I'm just sitting there going, man, like, this, this game is so boring. Like, nothing's happening, you know? And um, so I said it, like, once or twice. And all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, there's, like, one kid who, I don't know his background, but he gave me, like, kind of fat boy vibes. He seemed to get, like, really irritated with me. And he just screamed oh, what do you want them to come out to the middle of field with a gun and just start shooting? And I was just like, what? Yeah, I was probably like 18, 19. And I was just like, and I thought to myself, like, or score a touchdown, like make a play that's, you know, but I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I was so, um, taken aback that the, the shock alone I was just like and and everyone kind of laughed and then the moment moved on and I and then my friend goes oh man thank you so much for coming Nani Nani is like my family nickname and and so it kind of became this like joke and this like funny moment in in like the group and then it moved on so quickly that by the time I reacted I was just like wow that was really hurtful and it just it was at that moment, I, I realized the perception that they must have had of me. And now that I think about it, and I'm kind of like tying the two together, that was around the time that I started to make the shift. Like in college, I would tell my story, no problem. Like, yeah, you know, this happened, that happened, you know, life was hard, but I'm good. And then I stopped kind of telling my story. But um, yeah, and so I was so like, and, and I remember just calling my boyfriend at the time and being like, can you come get me? Like, can you just come pick me up? Because I didn't even, I didn't even. I was so embarrassed. I didn't even want to get up and leave. Like I, I needed to make up an excuse like, okay, oh, well, you know, he, this guy's here. So I'm going to go ahead and go 
And it's like, oh, okay, bye. But it was devastating to me. Yeah. It was devastating to me. And so, you know, when these things happen, and sometimes people who are close to you, friends, sometimes family, you know, sometimes even like a significant other, comments get made and, and sometimes they don't realize how impacting and how hurtful it can be um, that somebody has that perception or that stereotype of you. And, um, and, it, and it, it, shifts, it shifts the dynamic of your behavior and I believe eventually of your personality. So it, it was hard, but I'm fortunate. I'm glad to say that um, I found my voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm happy you did. But I agree. Like, all it takes is, is, is one situation or one comment. <laughs> oh, you okay? <laughs> no, I may have just kicked my desk and my phone was like, goodbye. <laughs> my phone was like, you want a touchdown? I got your touchdown. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that was good. That was a good save, though. That was a good save. I was. Thank you. Uh, no, nah, I was gonna say, I, like, I mean, I'm sorry that happened to you. And there, there's so many stories like that where you feel you probably walk in the Super Bowl party like, oh, I'm looking good, like I'm chilling. Yeah. And all it takes is that one comment for you to like feel so like belittled, and so Correct. just like, I'm just gonna close up. And not only that situation, but like you said, like you closed up moving forward and beyond and you yeah. probably and you said before that right like you were opening up so much you're like oh yeah. this feels good and then next thing you know yeah. just like that one comment um right right and it, it, what how did you get from that to where you are now and from my from my from my vantage point it looks like complete 360 where you're just like completely different and very confident and always being yourself and whatnot yeah i always played confident really well played confident okay yeah I always played confidently really well. I'm funny. <laughs> and, you know, I'm cute now too. But there was a time that I don't know how to comb my hair so great, you know. I wasn't like the fashionista before you. Um, but I, I always knew I was funny. And I relied on that a lot. And so, you know, um, it just took one joke and making, you know, the people that I was around laugh for me to be like, okay, I'm good, I'm good. They like me, right? But, um Oftentimes, I was not, you know, I was just playing at being confident. And what happened to me a couple of years ago is I had this moment that I called like the awakening, where I recognized that I wasn't just playing confident. And I would feel confident in certain areas. But I was also playing at being happy. Interesting. Okay. And, and that was really... Um, a pivotal moment for me because we don't know what we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many things that you're like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to learn about that. But bigger than that, we're not even aware of how, how, how much we don't know. Right. So it's like, you truly are like blind and lost. And I had, I couldn't tell you why I wasn't happy. I couldn't tell you why I felt like I was just playing at being confident. All I knew was that I was, deeply and profoundly unhappy. I had a good job, had a great salary, you know, um, uh, married for many years. Uh, my son, you know, like from the outside looking in, I was good. But um, a lot of that came from straying so far from the, who I thought I was going to be as a younger person. And what I discovered on that journey, on that journey to find out first what I don't know, <laughs> um, 
was that I was really comfortable in my ambiguity of being Latina. Tell me more. What do you mean? So my hair used to be blonde for like years. I had my hair blonde for years. You did say that. Yeah, yeah. And I would always straighten it. And again, if you ask me, I'd be like, oh, I'm Puerto Rican. Like, you know, I wasn't ashamed to say I'm Puerto Rican. But if you didn't know, if you didn't ask me and you came to me and you started speaking Spanish, I would just, and I would see that you visibly struggling. Like, um, este, como que se, um, how'd you, and I'd be like, <laughs> you looking for the bathroom? It's over there. You know, and, and it was like, why not just go to Spanish? And I was really comfortable in that, that ambiguity. And the reason for that was, again, I never really felt um, that connected to my community. Because my own perception was that we love to party, yeah. we love to drink, um, you know, a lot of my cousins, they just about having kids and having their, their, their sugar daddies. And, you know, like me as a Latina, knowing that I did not fit that stereotype, was very um, convinced that my community was made up mostly, predominantly, of this stereotype. And um, I wasn't born in Puerto Rico, so there wasn't no super attachment there. And, um, you know, even with like my mom, I don't, I don't live her lifestyle. And if you ask me if I was proud to be Latina, I'd have been like, hell yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even know to myself that I was, I was so disconnected and actually so not proud. Yeah. And in that journey, like even my nickname, Nani, like nobody calls me that except for like my family. Everyone calls me Riley. Riley is my nickname. It's like, the fuck did Riley come from? <laughs> and no one ever calls me but my full name, which is Daddy Lee, which is Riley is like, you, you take out just the center part, that's your Riley. And um, so there was so many things that started to fall in. Once, once I allowed that thought to come in, I started to see how true it was and how it had impacted so many things. And, um, go ahead. wait, so you're, so where did Riley come from? Is that something that you wanted to use? Cause it's like easier to say than your full name. Like where did yes. that come from? Yes. It was combination. So I lived in South Africa for five years. Mm. And in that time, um, I just, like when I was working, I had some employees and, and they would just be like, that really they like mess it up. And so they were just like, Oh, Riley, I'm just going to call you Riley. And I was like, that's cute. And then I started telling new people I met, I'm Riley. Even when I went back to the U.S., I'm like, I'm Riley. And I enjoyed the nickname Riley so much. But my nickname is Nani. <laughs> Interesting. Nani, Nene, Nena, we got them all in my family, and I'm the Nani, you know? And my real name is Daddy Lee, but no one ever, no one in my life called me Daddy Lee. It okay. was either Nani or Riley. Cause so my, cause, yeah, because my name is, is Pavel or Pavel, but... Uh -huh. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I used to be so ashamed of my name. I hated my name. Yo, especially when I went to Starbucks, and I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, your name is Pabell, and they spell it out, and it's like Pablo. I'm like, where's the O? Where'd the O come from? Right. Uh, so, like, I, I didn't know if it was yeah. more so of that, how you just like, yo, I'm tired of this. Like, Riley, Riley, Riley? It yeah, was all Riley. of it. It was all of it. But deep-rooted, 
was the concept that our names, yeah. our names are just made up ghetto names that our parents thought they were being really clever about, right? Mm -hmm. Right? And so we're even ashamed of our names. My, me and my three sisters were Madalise, Jailise, <laughs> and Darilise. Yeah. Okay, so we yeah. don't get more Puerto Rican than that. And when people ask me my name, I'd be like, right. You, and you before that, funny. I would say my name. <laughs> you know, it's funny, my, my friend, um, my friend's name is Chris, and he hates his name. He's like, I wish I had, Chris? like, Pavel or something. Yeah, you he's Dominican, see? though. But it's, it's always, it's like, no one's ever, no one's ever going to be, um, like, the grass right. is always green is what they say. You know what's funny right. about him, though, is that, and your story, like, instant, instantly made me think of him. He yeah. is, he's Dominican. His parents are, well, his mom's Dominican. His dad's, like, white and Cuban. But, uh -huh. uh, you know, and he's, like, Love Bad Bunny, be dancing bachata, salsa, all of that stuff. If you look at him, well, I think I think he looks Dominican, but him for a long time, he was saying, like, I'm not necessarily proud to say that I'm Dominican. And the reason right. for that is because the only images that I see of Dominicans are like smoking hookah. We have a bad reputation Correct. because all we do is like cheat. We have like side wives, yes. smoking yeah. hookah, and then not only that, but he, he himself is, is a father and he didn't see many, mm. I mean, he had a father in his life, but he didn't yes. see many positive role models in that sense. Right. So right. yeah, like there's so many, it's crazy because so many times we blame sort of like these external factors as far as like, oh, Correct. it was because of like work that I, I'm not myself. But a lot right. of times it's like our own families, our own like communities and cultures that make us ashamed of like who we really are which is crazy absolutely isn't it yeah. isn't it but if somebody if somebody came to you and told you that chacho you'd be offended like no, 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 te me ofendiendo. like i love my bachata like and that's the thing i listen to exclu almost exclusively to spanish music always yeah. i've always been that way and so i thought because i could make arroco gandules <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I could sing every Mark Anthony song from his first album to his last that I was proud to be Latina. You know what I'm saying? But, but truly, out in the world, I was it, was, it was separate for me. It was like two different things. And this is where I say, sometimes, more often than not, how can we fix it when we're not even aware that we don't know that that's an issue? And so the last two years have really, for me, been about finding my way back to that and, and really educating myself. Because how can I expect others to be educated on who we are and to see us a different way when I myself was guilty for almost my entire life of seeing my, my family, my cousins, my, my parents, you know, in the same light, you know. And um, so in order for me to educate other people on who I am, I needed to really understand that first, educate myself first, understand my community first, get back into my community, really understand that we're, we're amazing. Like we, we got superpowers, you know? And then I can go out and say, all right. And, and for me, it's, um, it, I'm grateful that that was my experience because when I, when I see somebody else's lack of knowledge or information, or when I see the stereotypes so prevalent in their mind, I can understand that it's not always from a place of malice. 
And so I can go into it in the angle of, nah, listen, cool. I thought that too. Like, no, I hear you. I can see why you would think that, but let me educate you. You know, so I can speak from a place of knowing as opposed to being like, oh my God, I can't believe you think, you know, you think that about us. So um, that's my goal to really educate myself and take other people with me. I, I love, love, love that. And even if you don't share that education with someone else, I think to, like what you said, most importantly is, is really for yourself too, right? Because how can yeah. you, yeah, I'll just end it there. Like it's really for yourself. That I love that. Yeah. Um, and, and I have a bunch of friends that, that are taking that same route and they've recommended like a bunch of books, even from like a, a history standpoint, like where do some of these countries get their start from? And like, right. and some of the things that I'm, some of the things that I'm trying to do is really, um, shed light on some positive influences or positive figures that are in our community um because even even my friend like some another friend that i had asked me a question like um oh like do you know any um like latino or latina executives that that i could look into because i want to do like some project or whatever Mm -hmm. and i was like i was looking at my instagram at all the like famous people and quotes that i was putting up and all of them were were musicians all of them were like Mm -hmm. actors and i was like I need to do a better job of, of like finding other people beyond just like entertainment so that I can provide a representation of people and say like, we can do more than that. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're not just right. entertainment. We're not just actors and athletes. Like we're, C- we're CEOs and CMOs and like all these other amazing Correct. things. Um, so that's what, that's, that's some of what I'm trying to do as well. Um, but yeah, like edu- educating yourself is so important. I love that. Uh, last, last question. Cause I know, I know we're at time. Um, what's one thing that just empowers and inspires you and encourages you to be your authentic self? I can give examples, but you know, it's totally, it can mean different things with different people. For sure. Now I really understand that Imposter syndrome is not, it doesn't discriminate. Imposter syndrome is everywhere. Uh, I do work with a coach. I've been working with a coach. We we spoke about that before. And I said in a group of women, millionaires, millionaires with multiple, multiple businesses, um, people who've been on Ellen, um, like, everyday women like myself, people who are still at a nine to five trying to leave. And we all had that in common. And I think for me, my mission and my goal is to stop hiding it, right? Because there's nothing more empowering that when you find something in common with the next person, right? Nothing is more freeing than when you find someone who understands you, right? Who gets it. We look for that in every relationship, whether it's in our spouse, whether it's in friends, whether it's in people that we work with, we want to be understood. And in order for you to really be your true and your authentic self, you have to just understand that you're a beacon. Everyone's trying to do that. And the second you come into that, re- that realization, and you accept that power, no matter what it looks like, people are gonna go, oh my God, finally, someone who looks, thinks, 
acts, behaves, talks, dresses, wears the same color lipstick <laughs> as me, right? Not everyone will be your tribe, and that is okay. But I guarantee you, if you stand on a table and you put your hand up and say, I'm representing this group, people are gonna show up and they're gonna be grateful that you did so. So for me, I just stay in that mindset that I have so much value and I have a great gift to share and it would be an injustice to keep it to myself. I have to show up like this. And I'm, I'm not just for me, I have to do it for the people like me in our community who want to do it too. So, presente! <laughs>